Act One, Part Two of Lady Huntsworth Experiment by R. C. Carton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Miss Pillinger comes out followed by Lucy, both dressed for walking. Hello, madam. Going for a prowl? Fowl? Crosses centre. Tut, tut. Conceals the basin behind him. Miss Pillinger crossing to him. You here, Audley? I am accompanying Lucy to the village. I imagined you were writing your sermon. I have been uh, delayed by uh, <coughs> unforeseen interruptions. Dorverston tells Lucy about Basin. She goes up behind Pillinger and taps it. You are yourself wasting the freshness of the morning. I thought the moment was opportune for the purchase of your new socks. Tut, tut. But you have given me no instructions as to pattern or texture. Both are indifferent to me. I rely on your taste and judgment. I will go then. She moves left. Dorverston opens gate and stands talking to her. Lucy laughs. What is amusing you, Lucy? I was laughing because... I have no wish to hear. I object to frivolity. Do you, Uncle? Crosses left. Wait for me, Auntie. Turns to Dorverston. Jack, where's my orchid? Cook is taking care of it. Lucy looking at Pillinger. What a treasure Cook is. Looking at Dorverston. I wonder what any of us would do without her. Exit. The two men face each other for a second. Dorverston laughs. Sorry I let you in, sir. Coming centre. But Lucy won't say anything. I'll be back directly. And, I say, you won't forget to stir very gently. Exit off. Pillinger angrily. No, I won't. No, I won't. No, I won't. Crosses, sits right of table, stirs violently for a moment, then remembers and slows down. Cook comes out. Captain Dorveston. Sees Pillinger. Is Captain Dorveston... He turns round. Oh, you've got it. Comes to top of table. The basin? Yes. I was compelled to interrupt Captain Dorveston, so I was endeavouring to supply his place, I fear, with poor results. Puts paper on seat. Let me look. Takes basin crosses a little centre. Thanks. She looks at it. Oh, no, it's all right. I am relieved to hear it. Still... It probably needs the, uh, hum, um, the final touch of the artist. She turns to go. You don't care for, uh, compliments? Caroline looking round. No. Coming centre. Rather an unkind restriction. A bird of some experience is apt to change its first opinion of bird lime. Yes, very true. But 
compliments that are the expression of honest and uh, respectful appreciation, what of them? I don't know. I've never met that kind of compliment. If you'll excuse me, I'll go back to the fowls. Going up. Pillinger, he follows her between tree and table to porch. I have no right to detain you from more congenial society. Doorbell heard. But I have something I particularly wish to say to you. She looks at him. Something I wish to explain. Certainly. What is it? My explanation might, in fact would, occupy some time. Doorbell heard more violently. The present moment is obviously ill-chosen for the purpose. You will be the sole occupant of the house this evening. Shall I? Everybody, Keziah included, is going to the penny reading. Even Gandhi has asked permission to visit his aged mother. Has he an aged mother? I didn't know. He doesn't lay much stress on her. She suffers from spasms and is a nonconformist. Well? I thought if I came back early from the parish room, I could explain what I uh, <clears throat> uh, wish to explain. Very violent ring at bell without interruption. You would discuss this all-important matter in the kitchen? If you, um, um, <clears throat> see no objection? It's your kitchen and your responsibility, but if I were you I wouldn't explain. Do you prohibit me from doing so? No, come if you like. What time am I to expect you? Um, about nine o'clock. It's a quiet hour, and usually free from callers. We'll hope it will prove so. Very well, till nine o'clock then. She goes into kitchen. He crosses up to French window at Cook's exit, still looking after her, buried in thought. Crail comes through gateway, stands at steps, sees Pillinger and speaks. Morning. Pillinger does not hear, so Crail prods him in back with stick. Morning. Hey. Oh, good morning. Comes centre. What time's the funeral? Funeral? Ain't anybody dead? I rang your beastly front doorbell till my arm ached, so I turned it up and came round to the back. My butler, uh, my male servant, is rather remiss, but to the best of my knowledge, he is still alive. <laughs> I'm damn sorry for it. Tut, tut. What's the matter? I cannot countenance such language. My sacred calling. Crail, looking at him more attentively. Oh, I see. I didn't know you were a magpie. Come to think of it, suppose I passed your place of business a little way up the road. Pointing up left. Uh, mm, yes. Oh, well, then, I take back the dam. After all, it don't do to open one's front door too quick. 
Suppose you thought I was the water rate. Puts foot on chair, pulls out handkerchief and dust boot. No, sir. Guess? Certainly not. Then what the devil did you think? Dusts or the boot. I had no theory on the subject. And as to your language, I really must beg. Beg, yes, that's your trade. Same time, I'll take back the devil. We don't often part company. Uh, talking of the devil, did you ever have D.T.? 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 If you refer to the Daily Telegraph, I usually read the Standard. No, no. D.T. Jim Jams. Jim Jams? Ah, Delirium Tremens. Ever had em? Eh, what? Never, sir, never. Lucky beast. Well, when you do have em, you'll know em again. I've had em twice. Really? The well, last was about a blazer. A man generally sees snakes or rats or spiders. It was spiders with me. Makes movement of spider on Pillinger's chest. Was it indeed? Yes, fat brutes with as many legs to em as an empire ballet. All over the walls by day, all over the bed at night. If you lit a candle, you saw em. If you didn't, you felt em. Ah, bah, filthy devils. Sits exhausted. Ah, could I have a whiskey and soda? You haven't mentioned the object of your visit. Man named Dorveston hangs out here, don't he? Captain Dorveston is my guest at present. Thought so. Promise to look him up. We're going to price a horse. A nailer, rising thirteen, and well up to Dorveston's weight, which is saying something. Captain Dorveston's physique is substantial. If he stood on your foot, I expect you would ask him to move. Probably. He's going to be something to you by marriage, ain't he? He is affianced to my niece. Hope he'll like it. Take cigar out of case. Why should he not, sir? I dare say you stick up for marriage. Double blessedness and all that kind of muck. Biting end of cigar. I regard the marriage state as best calculated to confer the greatest happiness that, er, uh, the... Have you ever been married? Looking up at him. No. Crayle lights cigar. I thought not. You beggars are always jawing about what you don't understand. You've never had D.T., but that wouldn't stop you preaching about drink. You've never been married, and yet you get up in the pulpit and talk about hell as if you knew the country. May I ask, Mr. Uh, um, Crail? May I inquire, Mr. Crail, if you are married? Crail blows out light and smiles. Not at present. Dorveston comes out. Ah, here is Captain Dorveston. 
Doverston coming to Pillinger Centre. There's the paper you wanted, sir. It took a bit of finding. Kezia cleaned my room out yesterday. Gives it to him. Hello, Crail. Slaps him on back and crosses left. Hello. Rises. Pillinger to Doverston. Now you have come, I will ask Mr. Crail to excuse me. Oh, don't name it. Crosses to left. Dorveston will see to me. I dare say he knows where the whiskey's kept. Dorveston laughs and goes up a step or two with Pillinger. Pillinger aside. Surely a most offensive person. Crosses up. He's all right, sir. He takes a bit of knowing. Pillinger goes into the house. Now, for Lord's sake, give me a drop of whiskey to wash the parson out of my mouth. Dorverston Centre. Whiskey it is. Take potash with it? A little potash. Crosses right. Righto. Have a look at sporting life. What do you fancy for the ledger? Centipede. It's a dead snip. You should have a bit on it. No, thank ye. Didn't like the name. It's uh, too spidery. Dorverston goes up to kitchen window, unseen by Crail. Crail crosses behind chair, gets sporting life, comes round left of table, puts hat on ground, stick behind him and starts to read paper. Cook! Cook! At window, Cook appears. Yes? Fact is, friend of mine has just turned up, and he's unusual thirsty. Would you bring him out a whiskey and potash? Certainly. Very kind of you. Extraordinary kind. Not at all. She disappears from window. Dorverston goes back to Crail. Look here. I'll run up and put another coat on, and then we'll start. Uh, how about the whiskey? It'll be here directly. Exits through French window. Thank ye. He resumes the newspaper. Cook comes to table right, with small tray containing whiskey, etc. She brings it down to small table and speaks before putting the tray down. Whiskey and potash. All right. He puts down cigar on tray and turns slowly. The paper falls. They face each other in mutual astonishment. Goodness how mighty. Slight pause. Is that you? She is silent. Is that you? Speaking louder. Yes. What then? Phew. Wipes his forehead. When I saw you standing there, dressed like that, I thought I'd got him again. Damned if I didn't. Why? Why, who'd expect to see Lady Huntworth masquerading as a cook? I'm not Lady Huntworth any longer. Surely Lord Huntworth is the last person who should need the reminder. I'm not Lord Huntworth down here. My name's Crail for the present. Really? I'm keepin' out of the way. For reasons. The local police don't strike me as being very shrewd. Police? What do you mean? It's Duns I'm hiding from. Duns? It's debt. It ain't crime. Ah, not yet. Well, good day, Mr. Crail. I must go back to my cooking. 
here hold on damn it don't be in such a hurry i want to talk to you i have to baste the fowls curse the beastly fowls i must see you alone for half an hour do you hear i hear it's infernal important will you meet me tonight no why not what are you afraid of i'm not afraid of you i think you know that that long fool will be back in a minute you'll see me somehow tonight because you've damned well got to do you understand i haven't the smallest notion why you want to see me but since fate has played me a final dirty trick by throwing us together again perhaps we had better understand each other so you can come here this evening for half an hour i shall be alone you had better tap at the window that'll do i'll come what time shall i have the honour i'll get here about nine caroline smiling nine you must make it earlier than that i expect i shall be rather busy about nine eight thirty then yes that would suit me crosses to porch and then stops crayle turns and sees she is in hesitation is there anything else caroline crosses down centre to him as you seem to want to talk about something important you might break through a rule for once and turn up in a possible condition not come drunk is that what you mean no i don't want to be unreasonable at that time in the evening you are certain to be drunk but try not to be too drunk to be coherent i'll expect you at eight thirty she goes up stage stands at kitchen window after she has gone crayle picks up cigar from tray and draws at it finding it out he throws it down violently and swears he then pours out whisky and drinks dorveston comes out dressed for walking ready old chap crayle half chokes in half a minute drinks more whisky dorveston speaking across to cook ah cook friend and i are going for a stroll it's a pleasant day for walking how is our mayonnaise coming on crayle looks up on hearing this very well i think that's all right to crayle who has been listening vacantly shall we get along uh, yes dorveston goes out at the gate crayle puts hat on takes stick rises crosses left centre and looks back as he does so cook turns and looks at him goodness almighty he then goes out at gate after he has gone cook comes down to the rustic table and takes up standard caroline reads will lady huntworth communicate with brampton and stokes cable court on a matter of considerable importance she stands in thought for a moment then turns and goes up reading the paper as she goes curtain End of Act 1